You guys know I love our teenagers, and so uh, for those of you who are members or even not, this Saturday um, after the business meeting, the uh, youth cleverly planned a way to be here for that day. Uh, they are doing a Speed the Light market, which is, yeah, that's good. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, we did this in the Christmas time, but uh, the kids are selling things that they've made and things that they've produced and things that they've baked and all types of goodies in order to raise money for our missionaries across the world. Last year, our teenagers raised just under $17,000 for our missionaries, and their goal is to well surpass that this year. And so we thought, well, everyone's in the house. You might as well do it that day. And so as soon as the meeting's over, just down the hallway, uh, just experience it. That They put a lot of work into it, and it's going to be really fun. And so even if you don't buy anything, but man, you Pretty messed up if you don't buy anything. Um, we want to make sure that's available to you. And then also, just uh, because it's so close, uh, we have our annual uh, spring breakaway lined up this year. After two years of not having a retreat, uh, we are so grateful to be able to have it again uh, this year. And so it's in April, so it's coming along fast. Uh, there's a registration table in the back. We just want to make sure that all parents are aware. We want to save trees. Uh, we want to make sure that we save money. And so if you just point your phone at that QR code, you can open up the registration, and all of our registration is fully online this year, and for those of you who maybe feel a little intimidated by some of that, we are more than happy to walk you through it. It's not very complicated, so we can help you. You don't have to do a bunch of things. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, uh, but again, this is an easy way for us to process it, to get everything taken care of, save money, save trees, save God, right? Or God saves, backwards. Um <laughs> But I want to make sure, if you get a chance, go ahead and do that, um, and then we'll give you some more heads up as we move forward. Uh, but I want to talk to you this morning about faith. Matter of fact, as I was talking about SBA, it was interesting. Uh, we were announcing it on Thursday, our, our spring breakaway, and um, right before I'm getting ready to go announce it and get ready to preach, I get a text from uh, one of my spiritual sons, somebody who's in our ministry for years, and, and now he's 26 years old. He's an adult. Um, but he sent me this text. I don't know if we got that. Do you have that screenshot? He sent me this text. He sent me $109 through Apple Pay, and he just said, pick that kid, pay for breakaway. He said, whoever this kid is, let them know that going to Spring Breakaway, bonding, being a part of a church that cares, has deeply changed my life and impacted me in a bigger way than anyone else ever has. Love you, PJ. I wrote back, love you, bro. This is my announcement tonight. I say that to say, um, man, let's make sure we invest in the next generation because it lasts. What you do lasts. What we do in the kingdom of God lasts. And a lot of that has to be accompanied through faith. Faith is the backbone of everything we believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to have even a relationship with God. Because it's through faith that we have every connection imaginable with the Lord. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that faith. And I'm so grateful that that young man still had faith in what God is doing. So much so that he wanted to pour into it. And if you have your Bible is the most uh, well-known verse when it comes to faith is the Hebrews 11 chapter or verse 1. Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith. It's, it's just this record of, of people who had unbelievable faith and Hebrews 1, it gives us a definition or the biblical definition of faith and it says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. 
which seems kind of ironic, right? It's evidence of something you can't see. But the truth is we all have faith. Everybody in this room has faith. We have faith every day. We put our faith into practice every day. You had faith that when you got in your car, you would arrive here. That took faith. Accidents happen all the time. You could have gotten into a car wreck. Your, your car could have ran out of gas. A number of things could have happened. Shoot, I don't even know. Some of us are riding on E real good this week. We had faith that that E is going to make it just enough to get to church. Maybe not get home, but just enough to get here. Right? We, we had faith. You had faith when you sat down. You had faith that when you sat down, that chair was going to hold you. There's no promise that the chair would hold you. Some of these chairs are old, right? It could have happened. You never know. The chair could break. The point is, we have this faith all the time that we put into practice, but there is no substitute for faith in God. There is nothing that can ever compare to our faith in God. And so I want to look at the father of faith, the one who's always uh, admonished and looked at as having great faith, and that's a man named Abraham. If you have your Bibles, open to Genesis chapter 22. There's a real famous story here that I'd love to walk through. It's a a few verses, 14 verses, but I think it's important that we look at the whole aspect of this story because you kind of see the different aspects of faith at work in this story. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, uh, along with his son Isaac. They chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering and set off for the place God had told them about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called for him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's a great, great passage. Honestly, the most difficult thing about writing a sermon on this passage is you can go in a million different directions. There's just so much richness in this. There's so much to dive deep into. But as I began to read it and study it, and as the Lord kind of began to impart some things on my heart, I started to realize that faith is one of those things that's really complicated to explain. 
Because faith is so much more than just that word. There are components that make up faith. There are aspects that we bring in in order to prove our faith righteous. And if you're taking notes, there's a few things I think that Abraham shows us here that helps us understand what makes up his faith. Number one, faith. Faith is obedient. Listen, when when God says, go to the mountains, I will show you. He's obedient. He doesn't even know where he's going, literally. But the moment God says, go to the mountains, I will show you, he gets up and gets ready to do it. A lot of us, we don't have faith unless we know exactly what it is that's being asked of us. And so we need the whole layout. Okay, God, you're asking me to uh, let go of my job. What, what other job am I going to have? And where, where am I going to live? And who's going to provide for this? And where are we going to do that? And God's like, you just do step one. But most of us, if we're honest, we want step one through 1,000. We want to know the whole layout. We want to know the whole story. We want to know if I do this, God, then what? If I do this, then, then what's the next step? And, and how's that going to happen? And what I've discovered a lot in my life as I look back in hindsight and I see those moments of faith, the truth is, had God given me the second and third step, I don't think I would have took the first one. Right? Because sometimes when you know the next thing, you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. But that's because the second and third step are nothing compared to the ninth and twelfth step and nothing compared to the 27th and 28th step. God can see the end from the beginning. He knows how it all works out. But for you and I, this is difficult. This is complicated. And yet Abraham doesn't seem to have an issue. I think part of that is because Abraham's faith has already been built on that. Listen, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. This ain't nothing new to Abraham. Go to the mountain I will show you. He's like, sure, you did it last time. Right? Because there was a moment in Abraham's life when he first encountered God where God tells him, Abraham, I want you to leave everything you know, your family, your land, your inheritance, everything that you have. I want you to leave it and I want you to go where I'm going to show you. Right? He doesn't say where he's going to go. He doesn't tell him when he's going to get there. He doesn't give him any details. All he says is, trust me, I will show you. And obedience says, yes, Lord, I will go. You know, there's this old parable or, or story that uh, about a gazelle. A gazelle statistically or reality-wise, is able to jump about 10 feet high and almost 30 feet across distance-wise. It's an incredible leaper, but it's held captive by a four-foot fence. And the reason it's held captive by a four-foot fence is a gazelle will not leap if it can't see where to land. And so even though it has the full capability of leaping out of its captivity because it can't see the other side, it stays right where it is. Some of us, our faith is stalled because we can't see the other side and we don't trust God for the other side and so we stay right where we're at and we wonder why God doesn't bless us and why God hasn't moved us forward in our life and why God hasn't done it. And yet here we see with Abraham, there was no hesitation to be obedient because he's been obedient before and he saw God be faithful before and so now he's moving forward and he's obedient. The second thing I see in Abraham's life is not only is faith obedient, but faith is believing. It's believing, it's saying, hey, listen, what you said, I believe you. And I'm gonna do that because when you look at the story, it says, go to the mountain that I will show you. And he gives him this, this layout. And again, he says, hey, what I want you to do there, I want you to kill your only son. The promise I've given you, the thing you waited 100 years for, this amazing gift. And if you notice, at least the Bible doesn't tell us, but there's no objection by Abraham. 
There's no, whoa, bargaining. Well, maybe God, uh, uh, how about I give you one of my servants? Or, or hey, listen, I, I had a, another son, Ishmael. We can go find him somewhere. You know, like he doesn't do any bargaining. He doesn't do any fighting. What does it say? Early in the morning. Early in the morning, he got up and he got to work. No hesitancy. How many of us struggle to have faith in God because we're hesitant to trust him? Abraham did not hesitate with what God told him to do. Some of us, we, we just, we vacillate back and forth. We were, we're constantly trying to figure out, is this God, is this not God? Should I do it? Should I not do it? I use this illustration often, but I remember in high school, in gym class, uh, they used to have a swim our sophomore year. I hated it. Um, and, uh, and I remember they would try to teach you how to dive, and I was not a good diver. But here's the thing about diving, if any of you who, who can actually dive into a pool, you either do it or you don't do it. Okay, like with a dive, you cannot hesitate. You got to go all the way or you are going to belly flop and it's going to hurt. If you go all the way, you don't feel anything. You cut through the water, it's smooth, it's perfect, it's great. But if you hesitate a little bit, if you try to just, you know, you know, try to cling it with your pinky toe right at the edge and you just last second try to hold on like a hawk, you're going to hurt yourself. It's going to be painful. And I think a lot of us, our faith journey has been more painful than it needs to be simply because we hesitate to trust God. We hesitate to believe God. Because there's a part of us that are like, yeah, yeah, I have faith, I have faith. And when God tells you to do something, I don't know if I have that much faith. <laughs> right? You see it later on when, when a man brings his son to Jesus and he asks him to heal him. And he says, Lord, if you can. And Jesus gives him a stern rebuke. What do you mean if? Anything is possible for those who believe. And what does the man say in return? I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Isn't that all of us? Yeah, we believe to a certain extent. But then there's that extra portion where we go, I don't know if I believe that. I believe you can do this, this, is, or, or here's a good one. I believe you can do it for them. I, I just don't know if you could do it for me. I believe you can heal. I just don't know if you can heal my loved one. I, I believe you can save. I just don't know if you can save that person. And so our belief is often sh cut short and we hesitate to trust God even when God is saying it and when God is telling you. Church, I wonder what area of your life are you struggling to believe God? What area of your life are you struggling to be obedient? Third thing I notice is that faith is trusting there's a deep trust when it comes to faith in God. Notice, uh, they're, they're going on this journey, right? He chopped up the wood. He's got everything. He's got his servants. He's got his donkey. He's got his son. He's going to the place that God told him to go. And then they get to a certain point where he sees the actual area he needs to go in. And he stops and he tells his servants, you wait here. We're going to go on a little further. But did you pick up on what he said? He says, we will come right back. He knows what he's going to go do. He knows that he's going to go sacrifice his son, that he's literally going to kill his son. And yet, he trusts God enough to believe that both of them will come back. How do we know this? Because Abraham trusted in God's goodness. He trusted in God's promise. Hebrews 11, verse 17 through 19, listen to what it says. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. 
Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Think about that kind of faith. Where he says, God, whatever you ask, I know that you always have the best in mind. So if you want my son, the one that you promised, the one that you laid out my whole plans for, if that's what you want, then I know you're able to bring him back. And I love that it says he reasoned it. He wasn't told that by God. Okay, so it's not like it's a scapegoat. It's not like God was was not going to have him do it. He was willing to go all the way because he trusted God. He trusted that what God was telling him was for his good. He trusted that God knew what's best. And here's the problem I think a lot of us have is we have faith, but we don't have trust. Because what happens is when God begins to ask you to release something or to do something that you're hesitant about or that you're unsure of how it's gonna work, what ends up happening naturally is we stop trusting God and we start trusting our gut. Listen, your, your gut can't even handle dairy and you wanna trust it over God. <laughs> hey, like we, we gotta get past that. We trust our neighbor. We trust, I tell this, again, just so many years working with teenagers. I'm like, it's like two blind pilots trying to teach each other how to fly. Why are you trusting your other sixth grade friend on how to date and how to get married? Like, you both don't know what you're talking about. And so a lot of times we're, we're willing to trust the pastor. We're willing to trust our friends. We're willing to trust our family. We're willing to trust our gut, but we won't trust God. When God speaks and God has told you and God has confirmed it and God has said it, it amazes me how many times I'm sitting in counseling with somebody and I can tell you already know what to do. You're just asking me because you're hoping I give you a way out of this. But God's already spoken. There's nothing I can say that's going to override that. But trust and listen, I get it. You know, you see all those programs where they do those team building activities and, and they do trust falls. I don't do no trust falls. Because even if you stay there, I'm pretty sure I'm going to knock you down. <laughs> trust is hard in that sense. And sometimes trust is hard because we base our past hurt and we attribute that to God. Yes. Well, no, you don't understand. I trusted my, my, my father. I trusted my mother and they failed me. Well, God is not your mother and father. God is God. Well, you know, I trusted the church before and, and the church, you know, the, the leadership hurt me and, and the people in church hurt me. And I'm like, yeah, but that wasn't God that hurt you. Amen. And so now you have a hard time trusting God because people who represented God hurt you? Listen, just because my action figure stops working doesn't mean the person it represents dies. It's not voodoo. And a lot of us, we treat like, listen, somebody in the church did this, this, and this. So obviously now God's untrustworthy. No, no, please don't. God is always trustworthy. God is always faithful. God is always willing to go through it. Abraham attributed that and it was accredited him as faith. You know, it said that the areas you worry most about are also the areas you trust God least in. What area of your life are you struggling to trust God? You know, a lot of times, can we be just transparent? It tends to be finances. We look at our financial situation. We start to worry. We start to treble, tremble. And like Brother Gary said, First thing we do is, oh, I can't afford to tithe, I can't afford to give. You can afford the sports package, but apparently you can't afford everything else. 
And all of a sudden we start making, oh, well, I can't, I can't serve anymore because I got to work overtime and I got to get the second job and I got to do this and I got to do that. And again, we don't sit down and actually do a financial plan and we don't look at the fact that we spend way too much money on Dunkin' and Starbucks and we don't really evaluate things. We just, we just stop trusting God. When God said, listen, especially with the finances, trust me, it's the only verse in, in Malachi, it's the only part of scripture where God gives you a blessing and a curse on the same thing. If you trust me, I will open up the gates of heaven and pour so much of a blessing on you, you won't be able to contain it. But if you don't trust me, I'll curse you. Faith, faith is trust. I wonder what area of your life are you struggling to trust God? Number four, if you're taking notes, faith is confident. Notice as they're walking on this journey, Abraham and Isaac now are alone and Isaac has the wood on his back, Abraham has the fire and the knife and Isaac starts putting two and two together. Now I need to make sure this is clear because sometimes in our minds and especially if we kind of grew up in children's ministry, we get the wrong impression of these people's ages and we think Abraham or we think Isaac is like a, you know, a child or at best a teenager but most scholars actually think Isaac was probably around 30, Okay. This is, this is a man. He's got a beard. Like, he's a grown-up. Isaac starts noticing, like, okay, we got the fire. We got the knife. We got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And I love Abraham's response. God will provide. See, before he even called that mountain Jehovah Jireh, he already knew who he was. He already knew, listen, God will provide. Now, again, we're not sure what exactly Abraham was thinking at that moment. Maybe he thought God will stop me in time and, and he'll provide a lamb like he actually ended up doing. Or, or maybe he thinks that God has already provided the lamb through his son Isaac because he was a miracle birth and, and that was the provision that God laid out. Or maybe he thought that Isaac is a sacrifice, but like we read earlier in Hebrews, that God would bring him back. We don't know exactly what Abraham's thought was, and it doesn't matter because Abraham's confidence was not in how the sacrifice would be provided, but in who was providing the sacrifice. And again, a lot of times our faith struggles and our faith wavers because we're worried too much about the what and the how, and we don't focus in on the who. See, when I focus in on the who, it doesn't matter what or how. God does some cool things, man. God will work it out in ways you never thought or imagined. And you won't even be able to connect the dots in the ways that God can do certain things. And so we have this issue sometimes where we, we have a need and we give the need to God, but we also give him the recipe for the need. Could you imagine if I went to a five-star restaurant and I said, hey, I want this dish, but uh, I whipped up this little recipe for you. Give you a little hand here. That's a trained Michelin star chef. He does not need my help telling him how to make this dish. And so often we offer up prayers with answers. And God is saying, no, no, no. Have confidence in who I am. Have confidence that I know what I'm doing. Romans chapter four, verse 20 through 21. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Bringing my son back from the dead, light work. God is able to do whatever he promises. I think about this even in our life, and many of you know our story. My wife and I, we had been married for five years. We're unable to have children. And quite honestly, I was very content with never having children. I never felt like I lacked being able to be a father to people. I just thought there's so many people who need a father figure anyways that I could scratch the itch that way. 
But my wife, who I know is a prayer warrior who seeks the Lord regularly, who's teaching our daughters how to do the same, she looked at me one day and she said, I believe the Lord has promised me we would have a child. And guess what? That's enough for me. If that's what God promised you, I will hold to that. And if the Lord does it, praise God. And if the Lord doesn't do it, praise God. But because you said that's what God spoke to you, as my wife, I trust you. Because I trust your prayer life. I trust who you are. And I trust the faith that you have in God. Now, we had you know, some complications. We had a miscarriage. We had a number of issues over five years. We weren't sure when it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, we're on our dream vacation because we finally think we can travel. That all ended. <laughs> and she tells me I'm going to be a dad. And then, less than two years later, we get another one. I was like, oh, that one got through there, all right. <laughs> Which, by the way, for all of you who don't believe me, they're in the nursery, all right? So you ask me later, I'll show you my kids. They're real. <laughs> you know what, though? It's because we had confidence. We had confidence that God would do what he said he can do. Doesn't matter that she has endometriosis. Doesn't matter that there was pain and complication. Doesn't matter that there was a miscarriage. Doesn't matter what doctors say. Doesn't matter what anybody else thought. We have confidence. Not in ourselves, but in the Lord that we serve. Church, I wonder what area of your life have you lost confidence that God would provide? The last thing is this. Faith is demonstrated. Faith is demonstrated. See, a lot of us say we have faith. But do you prove your faith? Do you demonstrate your faith? Right? A lot of us say it. Oh, I have faith. I believe. I trust God. But when the rubber hits the road, are you actually going to put that faith into practice? Notice again, we're, we're telling this story and they're walking along to get to this place. Abraham lays out the wood on the altar. Isaac lays down. And notice again what the scriptures say. Abraham picked up the knife. Okay? He's about to do it. He is thrusting down. There was no hesitation. There was no doubt. There was no back and forth. There was no pleading. He picked up the knife. And the only reason you pick up the knife is to put it down. He demonstrated his faith. Notice God didn't stop him when they got to the place. God didn't stop him when they laid him on the altar. God only stopped him when he was about to do what he was trusting God to do. And that's the moment that God stepped in because God knew all along that he didn't, he didn't want Isaac to be killed. He didn't want Isaac to be sacrificed, but he was testing Abraham's faith. Are you willing to go this far? And which, by the way, this is only for this moment in this time. So God is never going to ask you to do something insane like that. Okay, so don't just be like, oh, I'm trying to have faith, Pastor, so I slap my kid. No. I had the hand up and I, I was waiting for God to tell me to put it down. That's just that's not what it means. Okay. But listen, you, you, you could talk a big talk, but when it comes down to it, are you going to pick up the knife? Right? Everybody's brave. Everybody says a lot of stuff. Oh, if that was me and if I was in that situation, I would blah, blah, blah. No, you wouldn't. Stop it. We are very, very courageous in hyperbole and in makeshift situations. Right? I, would, I, used, I was like that too. Right? I would, uh, yeah, we'd make, especially in high school, man, we'd make all the, girl, I'd like die for you. I'd pre- man, if they got shooting, I hope she didn't get hit. I'm out. Like, I'm not taking no bullets for nobody when it got to it. Right? Because again, we, we were very verbose. We were very bold in our statements. But would you back it up? 
Oh, you know, I would never, I would never turn my back on the Lord. Yeah, Peter said that. Three times he did it. I love how Jesus kind of scoffs at him. He's like, you serious, Peter? You're about to do it three times. One of them is like a 12-year-old girl. Stop it, Peter. Listen, James chapter two, verse 21 through 24 says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? He was shown to be right by God by his actions. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Too many of us, we chalk up faith and think that's enough. Well, I believe in God. Well, so do the demons and they shudder at his name. What makes you any different? Faith in God is accompanied by action. And it's not necessarily that you have to prove yourself, it's that you really just see what's really there. And I wonder, what area of your life have you been struggling to demonstrate your faith? You know, a lot of people say, we wanna wanna see souls saved. But when God brings a lost soul into your path, where's your faith then? Are you willing to demonstrate it? Are you willing to tell them what you professed? A lot of us say, God, I would, I would never do this and I would never do that. And then when the temptation comes along, where's your faith? Where's your faith to flee from sexual sin? Where's your faith to run into the arms of the Father? Notice when, when Jesus was with his 12 disciples and he tells them, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He doesn't say no, but he says, I have prayed for you. And what does he pray? That your faith would not fail you. What is he saying? Hey, now is the time to demonstrate your faith. Three years we've trained you. Now it's time for you to step up. And the crazy thing is they all fail, all of them. Maybe with the exception of John. And yet Jesus doesn't turn his back on them. He reinstates their faith. Worship team, if you can help me out. You know, you read this story and we're amazed the kind of faith that Abraham has. And it's, it's no wonder he's called the father of faith. And just being honest, I don't know if I could have that much faith. After five years of waiting for a child, for God to say, hey, I want you to take Josie and I want you to move her over to this mountain and I want you to sacrifice her. I'm gonna be like, sorry, God, no take backs. You gave her to me, it's mine now. But my daughter, your child, could you? That's a lot. And again, God's not asking that. But some of the things he asks, you treat it like it's that much. No, I can't give up this relationship, even though it's toxic and it's hurting you and it's hurting your family. No, I can't give up this job. It just, it pays too well, even though it's killing your life spiritually and it's killing you mentally. No, no, God, I just, I I can't, we need to do this. We need to do this. No, we need to trust God. We need to have faith in what God says. And the thing I love about Abraham is that Abraham wasn't born the father of faith. He grew into his faith over time. Through trials and testing, through ups and downs. Like when Abraham was told to leave everything he knew and go to a place that God would tell him. He does it. But then when he gets there, 
he stops trusting God and he starts to lie that his wife is actually his sister because he's scared of the men in that area that they're going to kill him to steal his wife. So all of a sudden that faith of leaving doesn't help him stay because he doesn't have faith in that moment. So he passed one part and he fails another. Or, or when God promised him and his wife that even in their old age, even though he was 100 years old, he would have a son. And the Bible says Sarah laughed and Abraham doubted. So much so that they decided to take matters into their own hands and Abraham slept with his wife's servant and that caused all types of drama and issue that we're still paying for to this day. He failed. If you look at the, the father of faith, you'll see that his faith failed over and over and over again. But this testing of Abraham, when it came to sacrificing Isaac, it was an accumulation of life lessons. It was a final exam. Abraham was being tested not to prove if he had faith, but to reveal the faith that he had gotten. It was a revelation. It was to show him, look how far you've come in trusting me. And because you trust me, I will make you a father of many nations, or of a great nation. I will hold to my promise that your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the beach. And the beautiful thing is, as his descendants, we get to reap the benefits of Abraham's faith. Romans chapter four, verse 23 through 25. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. See, faith grows your faith. And every time you have trust, confidence, assurance, obedience, every time you put your faith in God, it increases your faith in God. By the grace of God, I've had a, an opportunity to preach at another uh, number of camps all over the country. And uh, some of these camps are, are thousands and you get to see God do really amazing things. But I remember I was at this smaller camp in uh, North Dakota. There only about 150 people. And I remember on Monday, the Lord's just very clearly telling me, I will heal somebody this week. And I was like, sounds good, awesome. But God was very distinct, and I'm going to use you to do it. And I thought to myself, I've never been a part of that. Like, I grew up Baptist, by the way, so like a lot of this was already kind of crazy to me. But I remember thinking, like, God, I've, I've never healed anybody. I don't have the gift of healing. Like, I don't, I've seen it, I believe it, but not through me. And God said, I'm going to do it. So Monday happened, God's like, not today, Tuesday, not today, Wednesday. God said, today we're going to do it. And I remember I preached a sermon and a bunch of kids were filled with the Holy Spirit that night. And those who were filled, I asked them to begin to pray for those who were still waiting. And then the Lord told me, hey, we need to pray for healing tonight. And so I said, hey, is there anybody here who needs healing? And a number of kids rose their hand. And I said, hey, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to go pray over one of those kids who's looking to be healed. And there happened to be one just right in front of me who rose his hand. So I, I knelt down. And I said, hey, what can I pray for? He said, my back. Go, well, what's wrong with your back? He says, I have scoliosis. I go, man, that's like a real thing. Like I thought maybe like he like hurt his back playing basketball and I could pray and then like, you know, 
I was hoping for an easy one. I hoping God would throw me a softball. But scoliosis is like a legit medical condition. <laughs> it's a curvature in the spine. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember I was getting ready to pray for him. It felt like nanoseconds. But in that moment, I literally felt like God just punched me in the chest. I felt like he was my actual biological father who would correct me like that. Like, hey. And I felt the Lord go, hey, don't doubt me. And I ain't gonna lie, I was so doubting him. <laughs> I like, this ain't gonna happen, but I'm gonna pray anyway. <laughs> and I felt like God just punched me in the chest, said, don't doubt me. So I began to pray, began to pray. I asked him to, to bend down, touch his toes, because with scoliosis, that's very complicated to do. And so I asked him to do it, he couldn't do it. We came back up, I had two other students praying with me. We kept praying for a good amount of time. I said, hey, listen, I want you guys to keep doing that. I'm gonna go pray for some other students, and then I'll come back. On my way back, the other students start screaming, Pastor, Pastor, it happened, it happened. I'm like, what happened? Like, he's healed, he's healed. I look at the kid, I said, what happened? He goes, I'm healed. I said, don't lie to me. Because, like, this was for real. Like, I don't play those games. I said, don't you lie to me. He goes, no, I'm serious. I was like, what happened? He said, I don't feel pain anymore. And he's like crying. He's like, I don't feel pain anymore. And I grabbed him by the hand. I lifted him up on the altar. I gave him the microphone. I said, tell everybody what you told me. And he begins to testify about God healing him. Now, I like to say I was trying to be real spiritual in that moment. Can I be just very transparent with you guys? I needed a minute. When I gave him the microphone, I needed a minute to turn around and cry. Man, I lost it. I lost it. I was so overwhelmed. God, you did it. And I'm sorry I doubted you. And I'm sorry I didn't believe you. And I'm sorry I suck. But you did it anyways. You proved yourself. And I was so overwhelmed at God's goodness, at God's grace, at God's faithfulness, at God's honesty of saying, I will do what I say I will do. In spite of your lack of faith, I will supplement that faith. And can I tell you, a few days later on Thursday, we wrap up the whole camp. I'm in the back just hanging out. They're singing the last worship song. Girl comes up to me. She's, Pastor Joy, would you pray for me? I know it's the end of camp, but would you still pray for me? I said, yeah, well, what are we on prayer for? She goes, my back. I said, what am I, a chiropractor now? Like, <laughs> so I asked one of the, uh, there was a lady pastor there who came over and I said, hey, I don't, I don't want to touch this young girl. <laughs> like, would you help me pray with her? And, and God healed her. She came up from bending over tears in her eyes. She said, it's gone. And then the next year I did a camp and I had a young girl who's scheduled for surgery two months later in her hip, chronic pain condition, all these nerve damages. In the middle of that session, God popped that hip back into place, canceled the surgery, healed, pain-free. Like every time I've gone back, I've seen God do more and more and more because I believe more and more and more because as faith increases, so does God's provision. So church, I'm going to ask you to stand as we close. And I know we're over time, but I'm going to blame that on, on pastor's announcements. <laughs> because here, it'd be messed up if we spent all this time talking about faith and didn't give you a chance to put that into practice. So I'm going to ask you just for a moment, close your eyes, bow your head just for a moment. Listen to me. Don't be in a hurry to run out. Sir, ma'am, where are you struggling to trust God today? Because at some point while I was talking, the Holy Spirit nudged you and said, uh-huh, in this area. 
Where are you struggling to have faith in God? Maybe you've given up on that loved one being saved. Maybe you've given up on that healing ever coming. Maybe you've given up on that provision being provided. Maybe you've given up on that door ever being open. Now is not the time to give up. Because while there's breath in your lungs, there's hope in your heart, there's faith in our spirit, we can trust God to do what he says he will do. But you gotta be obedient. Abraham had to go before he could see. So here's how I'd like us to close. If there's an area in your life where you need an increase of faith, where you need God to speak to you and give you a word, where you need that blessed assurance that we sang about, I want you to just come out of your seat, meet me up here at this altar, and we're going to have faith together. We're going to pray together. We're going to bring it together. So come on, if you're here, come out of your seat, meet me up here. If you're in need, where do you need faith in? Where are you lacking? Come on, all the way up, all the way up. Where are you lacking? Come on, you begin to talk to God as you come up here. You don't need a word from me, you already got that. Now you need a word from the Lord. You need the Lord to speak into this area. You need the Lord to tell you what he needs to do for you. Come on, come on, make a way, make a way. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord. If you're in a good place, if I can get actually our, our ushers, deacons, if you can help me pray, if the leaders can come along and, and help me begin to lay hands. If you have a loved one up here and you want to pray for them, just go ahead and come on up. Come on, we need to trust God tonight. We need to trust God today. Come on, Lord, speak, speak, Lord, speak. Speak, Lord. You have the final word. You get the final say. You get to declare it, Lord. Not us, not our God, not our understanding, Lord, you and you alone. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Come on, church, come on, church, press in.